All right, well, um, I'm, I'm ready to get into it. You guys, you guys I am ready too. For this, for this justice? Yeah, I'm ready to dispense justice. All right, God's, God's justice will find our listeners today. Snyder's Zach's justice. Right. There's there's two kinds of law. There's God's law and Zach's law. And this movie brings them together. It forms a synthesis. Oh, fuck. Hold on. I left my refrigerator door open. Hold on. Be back. <laughs> you better run and catch it. This is going in the fail comp. <laughs> Absolutely. Maneker, will Maneker biggest fails of 2021. Like a fridge door open. Like like a, a, uh, a curious grizzly bear wandering into a cabin. That's going to be the grape stomp lady of the 2020s. I hope we recorded all that. I did. All right, put it in the fill comp. Put it in the fill comp. All right, so you want to clap in? Hey guys, Matt Brady here with my review of Justice League, the Snyder Cut, the Extended Edition, the Director's Cut, and uh, really what can you say about this film, this triumph, this masterpiece? It's a movie that perfectly simulates what it must have been like to be on the Bataan Death March. (laughs) It's just a grueling, endless slog, hour after hour. It's a terrible film, but I will say this for it, it is an actual film. Because Zack Snyder, for all his faults, is an actual filmmaker. Not a very good one, but he is a filmmaker. And uh, Joss Whedon is not. And in a weird kind of way, as I trudged through the four hours plus of this movie, certainly not a tight 90, I kind of in a weird way came to appreciate that. That he at least knows what he's doing. The characters have arcs. Even if it's just Wonder Woman learning to overcome her weird racism against fishmen. I guess Atlanteans are Palestinians in the DC Extended Universe. I also did think it was very funny that at least an hour of this film was spent setting up movies that will now never, ever get made. So thank you for that complete waste of time, (laughs) Mr. Snyder. It was very much appreciated. And, of course, we got to see Jared Leto as the Joker again. Just a terrible actor playing a terrible character. A delight to watch, honestly. Uh, I really wish we'd got to see a Jared Leto Joker film. I don't think the world was ready for that. So I guess what I'm saying in a weird way is thank you, Zack Snyder, for saving film. Okay, that was um, RF Chapo's Australia and um, comic book movie correspondent Matt V. Brady. And I got to say, to kick things off here on our uh, Justice League episode, I know you've all been waiting for the Snyder Cut. I got to say, I, I mostly like honestly echo Brady's review of this because, you know, like it, it's become sort of um, trendy in sort of film Twitter circles to sort of hail Zack Snyder and this movie as sort of something of like the, the return of the director. Like, like a return of like a, a, a visionary kind of filmmaking in which, uh, against all odds, like, you know, one individual has managed to like press his palm print into the cave wall of this like gigantic corporate behemoth in a way that other directors or other properties uh, haven't been able to do or we don't see that in and the thing is though it's like they're they're right Brady is right Uh, Snyder is a visionary filmmaker it's just that his vision is mostly pretty stupid 
But against all odds, I did by the end of the four and a half hours of this movie, or it's like this movie is, I think, 30 minutes longer than The Irishman. I yeah. did. Fi- I found myself rooting not so much for the film itself, but for the existence of this film um, for two reasons. Like, I mean, there's one inside the movie itself. There was, you know, I thought there was some stuff that, that landed, that, that worked, that, that actually kind of owned. But I have to say, sort of embarrassingly so, because, look, we're all this way. Mostly it came from things entirely external to the film itself that made me root for it so much. And I'm going to mention two things. The first of which, a anecdote shared on Twitter by a former extra who was uh, on Batman versus Superman. And he said, I'll never forgive Zack Snyder for yelling at us during a big scene that like, I need that 9-11 feel. 9-11's just happened. <laughs> just remember how you felt after 9-11. Give me that 9-11 energy. And he was just, you know, some like weepily complaining about this. And I think it was um, Cameron from Pot About List pointed out, uh, out of all the things we know um, film directors have done to people on the set of movies, I think reminding you that 9-11 happened is rather near the, the, the low end of abusive behaviors. And I was like, you know what? That actually kind of owns. Like, just uh, putting, like, 10 9-11s in a Superman movie, like, kind of kind of nice with it. Because that's the kind of thing a lot of the, the lesser directors who approach this material, the ones who are doing it as part of, uh, you know, a brand and don't have the love for it, don't have the love for the material, uh, they would shy away from that because they would think it was in bad taste. But when you love comic books the way Zack Snyder does... It is as serious as 9-11, and that is his greatest strength as a director of these movies, and of course also his hugest fucking weakness is that he is a grown man who actually does read, and voraciously so, comic books. I have a different interpretation of this movie. Um, I think I can only truthfully review like the first uh, hour 47 of it, right? <laughs> um, because after that, I didn't fall asleep, I might as well have. It was like a biological reaction for me to, uh, you know, look at my phone for the remaining three hours because this was so fucking boring. You know, I consider hour three of the movie the part of the the movie where I was uh, looking up the history of cosmetics on Wikipedia. <laughs> I consider hour two the part where I was uh, just looking at what at what you can buy with half a million dollars in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, that was my journey through this film. Um, but I do, I did settle on a grim truth at the end. And that grim truth is this movie, which is, uh, it's basically like a cinematic from a game like Kane and Lynch from like a PlayStation three title, but four hours long. If Zack Snyder could be by these movies wouldn't exist. We wouldn't have to do this (laughs) because that's really all it is. Like people are like, oh, he's fascist. But it's like, no, he's just by, you know, that's a common mistake people make these. um, It's easy to confuse the two. But yeah, that was my reading on it. That's my reading on Zack Snyder. And as much as I respect the psychotic imbeciles that allowed this to happen for uh, sort of using sort of Tumblr-y 2015-esque language, uh, just harassing, you know, David Geffen and his eternal minions by being like platform mental health, platform Zack Snyder, platform mental health Zack Snyder marginalized. This movie, as I said, did feel like you overdosed on Tylenol. Well, I mean, I want to talk about the, uh, the I mean, thanks to this movie's existence, I know I'm now aware of the phrase the Snyder Cut community. 
And I want to talk about the Snyder Cut community because the other, probably the biggest thing that led me to give this movie a positive review was the following article in Vox.com. Headline, Justice League's Snyder Cut Saga reminds us which fans' voices get heard. The HBO Max release of the fabled Snyder Cut happened thanks to a mix of entitlement, harassment, and privilege. Uh, there you go, folks. It works. Yeah, we got the Snyder you know, Cut. Also, like, I'm sorry. Like, who are they supposed to listen to? Like, the people who want, you know, asexuals to be in animorphs? Sorry, they wanted it more. They yes. wanted it way more. Tough shit. Tough yeah, there's a lot of shit. sour grapes going on here. Everybody is trying to uh, harass uh, every content creator to make what they want to make. And the Snyder people wanted it more. They had the hustle. They had the drive. And uh, if you're mad about it, hey, train more. Yeah, no, there's no, like everyone wants to do what they did, but they just like they have to take like a it's too scary to harass David Geffen, but not for the Zack Snyder people. They're like they're harassing ancient Hollywood evils. I mean, uh, to your point about how the Snyder people wanted it more. I mean, this comes across just transparently in this Vox article uh, subhead. The Snyder cut shows how certain voices in fandom are valorized above others and teaches a dangerous lesson. See, that's it. As soon as Vox.com started describing this movie as dangerous, I was like, okay, I'm for it. I'm wholeheartedly for the existence of this movie if it scares like the culture writers at Vox.com. And this person goes on to write, um, in the lead-up to the release of the Snyder Cut, many critics observed that the film succeeded due to a group of fans who represent a regressively traditional view of what fandom is. It's difficult to find a similar level of hype and breathless anticipation attaching to a campaign for a movie that explicitly catered to women in fandom. For instance, imagine if the Fifty Shades of Grey fandom, full of older female romance fans, suddenly began demanding a new Sixty Shades of Grey with all their consumerist might. Would the media's reaction be one of breathless excitement, or would it be one of condescending disbelief tinged with mockery? Okay, first of all, the media's reaction to all the Snyder fans was one of condescending mockery and disbelief. Absolutely. These guys were, yeah. these guys were terrorists. Yeah, but you know what? Like the, the, the Fifty Shades of Grey fandom or the Twilight fandom that she talks about, like if they wanted changes, like, you know, just then work for it. And get out, get out there oh, and start they're, harassing. They're, and it's like, oh, no, they're going to they're gonna be condescending to us. Fuck it. Suck it up. Do you want Sixty Shades of Grey or not? Yeah. Do you want the Charlie Hunnam remake that you're all seeking, uh, secretly desiring? Because it's, I don't know if you guys know that, but he was the original uh, uh, Christian Grey. Uh, oh, right, right, then, yeah. Yeah. Charlie, oh, Charlie yeah. Human. That was probably a big deal with Sons of Anarchy Autism Moms, one of the best <laughs> oh, Facebook God. groups ever. Yeah, uh, a time. Yeah, no, it's like, quit crying, get to work. I don't yeah. really, yeah, I don't, Too much I don't really work care. in the refs here. Just get gone that you're grind if you want to see this shit. It, and just, also, I'm sorry, like, a lot of this stuff is geared towards that, like, it's a hive mind. The reason the Snyder fandom stands out is because that's like the undigested lump of, of like people who take nerdery and uh, some sort of like hostile social dysfunction to be the same thing. And they want to preserve that. They want to keep it. They want to keep nerdery uh, authentic. Uh, and so they're, they're going to have to band together and uh, grind to get what they want because they can't depend on everybody saying, oh, good. These people are they're trying to advocate a new, more inclusive rubber man. It's like, no, they want white men looking pissed as shit on giant screens. I, I was thinking about like this scene towards the end where Batman and Joker are having their tete-a-tete and uh, Batman goes, 
I've been dead inside for a long time, but even I have my limits. And I'm like, that's why this movie was made. That and bisexuality. Because it's like, that makes no sense. That's so fucking stupid. It's so Facebook. It's so like, I'm a, the nicest guy in the world, but when I get pissed, I get quiet. And that's when I really fucking get pissed. It's like, do you have a limit to how dead you are? Like, what the fuck? But it's just like, this is the perfect movie for like that kind of imbecile. It Which really it turns is. out there are a lot of. Yeah. yeah, and they're being underserved by the Marvel movies that just don't take the stuff seriously enough. Yeah, Marvel movies, they have nothing for... Like, the message in Marvel movies is, like, you should never really... It's not cool to get pissed. Yeah, no, getting <laughs> pissed is, 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 is hurtful. Everyone should just be uh, friends together. They're made by people who have never punched drywall for people who have never punched drywall. And Snyder Absolutely. is different. And, you know, and his fans are being, um, yeah, they're being condescendingly mocked and looked down to just because they like punching drywall. Um, so just at the end of this Vox piece, it says, when we valorize the Snyder cut, then it's possible that we're va- what we're really valorizing is a patriarchal cult-like view of geek culture that rewards fans who behave badly and ignores fans who just want to be heard and included. Again, all this attention originated around the film that was effectively just a pipe dream. The Snyder Cut campaign became, in essence, a quest to create reality. So there you go. If you want to create your own reality and be heard, start harassing people. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, don't actually do that. But, you know, my, my, my point here is that, Matt, you're having exactly right. They wanted it more. They created their own reality. And now all these fucking film critics have to bitch and whine that like, oh, like, mm, oh, like, oh, they're being they were mean to me. And now there's a, a movie exists that shouldn't be there. Yeah. It's like you're reminding everybody that Zach, that Josh Whedon actually doesn't know how to fucking direct a goddamn movie, that he is Kevin Smith with more money behind his behind him. That's it. That all he but, does is he write his he writes his awful dialogue and then it's like, oh, we'll figure it out and, and just throws like- the shit up there. Yeah, and there's also like enough touches of Josh Whedon. Sorry, that's I'm not acknowledging that double S name. That's no one's been called that before or since him. So fuck that. But uh, it's you know if you like that, every time the Flash speaks, it's oh, Josh Whedon. Oh man, yeah. writing himself in if he had ever been good at anything in his life. Yes, but this shows us that the that uh, that that. Is was in the Snyder version that that soy flash was not as we might have assumed Josh Whedon. And I think the difference is and and I think the thing that makes sense of that is that I think Snyder recognized the 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 desire of the audience for that brand of comedy, that that relatability where one of the one of the superheroes is acting like you would react or, you know, that's the whole premise of the of the Whedon uh, approach to this dialogue and Snyder said, fine, I'll give you guys one of those. You get one. Not every character, like in a Marvel movie, there's one guy who talks like that, and then everybody else can just be fucking extra pissed to make up for it. Here's the thing about this movie, though, is that like, you know, we, we talk a lot about in the Marvel, Marvel movies and pop culture in general, like soy banter, soy dialogue. Like, Matt, like, you described it perfectly. It's, it's, it's this winking, self-aware dialogue that like, allows the viewer to be like, oh, if I had godlike powers and saw um, Captain America throw his shield, I would be like, uh, that was freaking cool. You know, like it, it's shit like that. It's, you know, but so what this movie like does away, it's almost completely other than the Ezra Miller flash character does away completely with any wretched soy banter of any kind. However, what it replaces it with 
is a different species, a, a different strain of of grading movie style writing, and that is epic Lord of the Rings guy banter. So like for every yeah. for for everything for every every line of dialogue that isn't uh so that happened uh yeah he's got a hammer now um what you get instead is form a phalanx around the mother box warriors to me and it's that over and <laughs> over and over again it's just like it's just that by yeah it's like by my sword I pledge to you the dark lord and it's just but all but played like absolutely seriously without like a, a single fucking like a single moment's bit of like winking or nodding at the audience. It's just, and I gotta say, it's, it's a slight upgrade from like how grading soy banter is, but not, not by a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would say about, um, an hour or so of this, uh, for our film is taken up by, you know, Warcraft cinematic characters being like, the darkness of the task at hand lays upon the shadow of eternity. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, that's the thing is like, how is that different from Thandos? They're the same thing. These are the same plot. They're about a it's big, the exact same uh, plot as big the purple, a big purple guy who's like trying to open a portal. That's I, it. I want a, I want a scary door. Yeah, no, no. It's, it's, it's the exact <laughs> same plot as the event. Kill everyone to open a scary door. Uh, like they got, they got to get the band together to stop a big purple man from collecting like artifacts that, when assembled, will open a portal. Yeah, you're forgetting the uncle magic. Excuse me, that is a key distinction. Uh, this is a, this is an uncle trying to do a solid for his nephew, which now, makes it completely I, different than uh, than the Avengers. But he's he's a, he's a, he's a punished uncle. Steppenwolf is, is a disgraced uncle. uncle. He is a punished yes. uncle who's been disgraced <laughs> and cast out of nephewdom. Um, so that's why he has to conquer Earth. Is that he has to he has to become he has to rekindle Uncle Magic with his nephew uh, Darkseid, who is the like Lord Dictator and Master of the Galaxy. I, t- I told my sister to not let her kids play with that damn portal, and now I've, <laughs> now I'm now my set it, my my soul is in debt to my nephew. Just great. <laughs> well, I mean, let's start with the the the, the film itself because oh boy, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, I think the way to think about this movie is. You know, Snyder has has long been rumored to be an, an acolyte of a Ayn Rand and, and an objectivist in his like sort of personal moral and political vision. And I think it's been rumored that like for a long time, his dream project was like an, a, a remake of The Fountainhead. And I think it's actually very appropriate because I think the Justice League Snyder cut really is like one of Howard Rourke's buildings. And like Snyder is the Howard Rourke character. I don't know who Dominic, the woman who gets, you know, does has sex crimes done to her by Howard Rourke is. Maybe us, the audience or film critics in general. I'm not sure. But anyway, it's like Howard Rourke, he like he just wants to build his big, dumb buildings that no one wants. And like to do so, he has to fight valiantly against the, the legions of little men. Of, of, of bureaucrats and managers and meddlers and socialists who want to who want to make make his building smaller and more like the other buildings and the existence of this movie is like you know when well due to personal tragedy he couldn't finish it the first time and then they got gave it to josh whedon which is sort of like when howard Rourke takes dynamite and blows up the building and then gets sent to jail or whatever but like the, the existence of this movie is like when howard Rourke finally gets to build his big dumb building at the end of that stupid book and, you know, so like I, I think Howard Rourke is like a good template for, for Zack Snyder as a director and a character. Yeah. And that and that uh, goes into the uh, relationship that he has with the uh, these superhero characters. He 
is not doing this because you know he's part of a of a machine like at Marvel and who views these characters sort of as uh as just stand-ins for the audience just like cooler he clearly has a, he sees these people these character these superheroes as gods he's he he is, sees them as in jupiterian terms he also only he, and that's why he uh, identifies with them because he thinks of himself that way he's one of the 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 gods of earth that have been blessed with like vision and all that and that's why he uh, treats this shit with such reverence. The very first shot of this movie is like a 20-minute, 360 slow-motion pan of Superman dying. Yeah, it's like a like, pieta like It's the fucking pieta. Yeah, it's like he has to hammer home to you that these are epic fucking characters. Uh, and that's the opposite of the Marvel movies where, yeah, they're just like us. I was, just, I was struck by the fact that, so this movie has a scene where Cyborg who is uh, the kind of the, the, the Ringo of the group, honestly, uh, a base football playing uh, computer genius college student who gets mangled in a car accident. He becomes like a gets, Frankenstein figure. And becomes a, he becomes a robotic Frankenstein. And there's a scene where he is uh, kind of shown the breadth of his power as this cybernetic organism. And he... Uh, they de- the, to demonstrate his power over like literally the world economy, like the most the most powerful thing on earth, more powerful than any individual. First of all, they show him fighting a CGI rendition of the bear and bull, representing the two types that of rule, That was so cool. Uh, I love that. I love that of, scene, Matt. In front of the stock exchange, but then they show him going into sort of a matrix of bank accounts with names and hilariously. Uh, depicted piles of money indicating how much cash they have <laughs> very much like michael douglas in disclosure if anyone ever saw yes that. yes uh, the, the virtual reality realm of sexual harassment yeah. that he has to traverse <laughs> uh and he there's a scene where he notices the struggles of a single mother who is uh facing eviction and has no money in the bank and he just magically pulls increases the size of the money stack that she has in the cyber world resulting in her getting a hundred thousand dollars just put into her checking account uh in contrast this week saw the debut of the disney plus marvel program the falcon and the winter soldier and in that movie in that first episode there's a scene where the falcon one of the avengers who saved earth from thandos is denied a bank loan (laughs) (laughs) this motherfucker can fly That is the difference in vision uh, between Marvel and DC. And honestly, just as a, as a question of cinema, treating them as gods is just more interesting than just treating them like us. Because like the essential message of Marvel workers is like, hey, like if you work in uh, hospital administration, you're the reason that Jello costs three thousand dollars. <laughs> you're also a superhero. Oh God, that's you, true. You work it works in health ways. Yeah, yeah. But Zack Snyder's thing is like, no, you are. There are people who are high, like Zack Snyder, and there are people who are low, like yeah. Joss Whedon, and most of the people who watch this movie. Yep, and, and you that's get to just look the way up it is. at us. You look yeah. up at us, and you and you marvel at our feats. That's what yeah. you do, and our feet no, because they're pretty hot. Marvel is like a guy who's like, hey, so I got redeployed to Afghanistan. So I thought I would sing a ukulele to my wife's unborn child. She she, she played in the womb, and it goes viral. 
um, and that guy also killed 30 people that day. Zack Snyder is like the Blackwater guys who are having Anivar orgies with each other. <laughs> They're the same crime, you know, yes, but yes. one is more honest about what it's supposed to be. <laughs> and, one, and one is ultimately funner than the other one. I mean, the last thing is like Howard Rourke, when he finally gets to build his big, stupid building, no one wanted it. Yes, he's a sex criminal um, and a big baby. <laughs> But you know what? Like when he finally builds it, his his building is technically bigger and better than the other shitty buildings around them that that are that are built by committee instead of vision. So it it outshone even Versailles. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so like so basically, uh, the the movie begins as Matt said with like we're, we're the at the end of Batman versus Superman, where where Batman I'm no sorry Superman is killed by Doomsday, and as he's dying, he lets out this heroic death rattle of ah. And then Zack Snyder shows the ripples of Superman's sound waves of his last dying gasp sort of echo out across the planet and connect with, get ready to hear this word a lot, the mother boxes. The mother, mother box. box! The mother, okay, everybody in this movie is trying to get some box. This movie is about... They're, they're trying to sniff out the box. <laughs> they're trying to, the, the scent of the box is everywhere. I'm not kidding. That is, that, that is a line that is spoken multiple times in this movie. They talk about the way the box smells. <laughs> Mind of Jason wrote this movie. But... <laughs> 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 if I go to your house and your mother box is trash, I'm stealing shit. <laughs> so it's like it's like like Superman's death rattle um, uh, sends a sends a twinge through the boxes of, of of planet Earth, and the first box is with Cyborg and it's just in his closet. The second box is with the Amazons in their in their Lady Temple, and the third box is at the bottom of the ocean in Atlantis. And you're like, oh, what's up with these boxes? I hope I hope they're important to this movie. Uh, yeah, they're pretty important to this movie. Oh yeah, and in fact, the word "box" is said so many times in this film that like it's lost meaning to me. I'm just it's just a sound that I can produce with my mouth now. There's like it doesn't connect to anything in my brain anymore. So, so like there 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 are boxes, and we know that like there's some great intergalactic evil out there that is like some just massive power that is going to come to Earth, and like to that end, uh, Batman takes it upon himself to form an alliance of the, the super-powered individuals of planet Earth to uh, defend us from this, this, this incoming threat. And basically, the movie is pretty much four hours of like getting the band together, getting the band together and going on the road. And it, take, it takes about two and a half hours for them to come together. But it begins, and uh, Bruce Wayne is like trekking across some glacier in Iceland or whatever, and he comes to this little fishing village to find Aquaman, and there's all these all these nice like sort of sweater you know sort of nicely like those sort of wool sweater wearing wearing locals and fisher people, and uh, he's like, "Where's the Aquaman? I need the Aquaman." And they're like, uh, pff, "We don't know what you're talking about. No Aquaman's here." And then Aquaman's just like throws him up against the wall, and he's like, "Listen, asshole, uh, if I want to bring these people fish, then that's what I'm going to do. Why don't you leave me alone? By the way, I'm Aquaman." And he's like, "All right, well, um, want to join my team?" And he's like, uh, "No." And then just takes his shirt off and walks into the freezing water while Icelandic women do throat singing for about 10 minutes. Yeah. He's establishing (laughs) awe. He is establishing awe. This is how you as a person should be observing these concepts, these, these gods. You should be just watching them in hushed silence and singing with your throat, not trying to do banter. There is the time marker where we get to Aquaman. You can measure this movie by hours or measure it in a way more appropriate to Zack Snyder, which is, how many slow covers of Gen X hits have you heard <laughs> during this time? Like, I would, like there, that, that is, 
he is like the Mishima of Gen X. <laughs> there is so, like they like it's like every fucking shitty scene where it's like the Batman like glum glumly doing push ups or like the Flash like you know looking up POV Star Trek porn is set to a very slow, very shitty cover of the Gin Blossoms. To the point that like I I'm curious to see Zack Snyder reboot other children's media properties like i would love to see what he does with ducktales where it's like all the ducks you know sadly doing stuff while uh yeah a lou reed song plays but even slower yeah no it's lou reed's heroine as as scrooge mcduck's dives into a a pool full of doubloons or it's like an it's like a weepy acoustic cover of of the ducktales themes where it's like (laughs) life is like a hurricane here in Duckburg, race cars, airplanes, something. <laughs> it's a duck blur, but it's sad. It's sad. It makes you feel sad. You feel you feel a tinge inside because Huey, Dewey, and Louie—they're sad and they're angry. Yeah, they're pissed. That, yeah, the pissed ducks. Like <laughs> Scrooge McDuck should be punching those coins. And I, I, I was laughing, you know, before I, you know, lost about twenty years of my life watching this movie. Uh, about Zack Snyder making an adult cool version of Barney. <laughs> Thinking about Barney, you know, doing his workouts to a, to a you know a, a cover of a Squeeze song. Yep, that's and really that sad. this is the that's the key to understanding this the the problem with Snyder. It's like, yeah, he is a filmmaker. It's like uh, he takes this shit seriously in a way that you need to to make something that can be interesting. But he has put all that focus, all that creativity, all that imagination into shit for children. It just is. It's like, I'm sorry. Yes, they are all ancient myths, but they've been flattened and and turned into cartoons by time and money. And they're not worth that much thought, man. Yeah. And I will say, like, I will say watching Marvel sent me into such a deep, depressive spiral when I saw it in Washington, D.C. all those years ago, seeing Adventures Endgame, uh, it, like, really depressed me. It really made me feel bad because it was so soulless. And it was just, like, I just, like, I saw I saw a vision of the future where everyone's a baby and all the movies are, like, it's good to be a baby. But when I saw this, I hated it, but I didn't feel that same depression because it's, like, no, you're a pissed-off fucking baby who's all out of shits to give and it's like you know i can live with that yeah uh, an an angry baby is more interesting than just like a placidly narconized baby to this day we've just we have discussed on this show i think every dc movie and this is literally the second time we've done an episode about fucking justice league (laughs) we have only talked about one marvel film on this uh, show, I believe it was Venom, which isn't even under the, like that's, the that's full umbrella. That's, that's like a Sony. Yeah. That's a Sony like uh, you know cast off. We have, there's nothing to talk about. Yeah, they're soulless. They're like they really make me feel bad because a they have no soul, but b it's like they're lulling. It's the NWO lulling everyone into baby dumb. And yes. it's really sad. Whereas with Zack Snyder, you know, people erroneously call him a fascist. I don't think that's what it is. I think if you had Zack Snyder describe his ideal government. It would be like the largest children are chosen since birth and given a diet of Anavar. It's like three hundred, and they're, and they're like exactly the god like of your neighborhood. Yeah, and, it, and if you get and if you get a parking ticket, you both have to like you have to do that Turkish oil wrestling, <laughs> and like whoever loses has to suck the other's dick. But you're both crying, and it's like that's just what the government is. And it's like, 
Well, I don't know what that is, but it's, it's, not, you know, it's not the NWO. It's not yeah, it's, it's like that's not what why, the NWO wants. That's why people think that he's like a right winger in, in like nominal politics, but he's a fucking Joe Biden guy. He he he's a, he's yeah. a he was a Hollywood team player because yeah, he doesn't really care that much about earthly politics. They so little comp- 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 uh, form to his vision of what like the world should be anyway. Yeah, you know the you know from uh, the David Smith movie where they talk about the cow problem. Yeah. Well, oh God. Like, for Marvel, it's like everyone is a cow and treat them like a cow. <laughs> but for for Zack Snyder, it's like I don't care about the cows. Where's the bull? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it, you have to take yeah. your shirt off and wrestle with the bull for yes. eternity. Yes. And you're enemies, but you respect each other, and then you yeah. unite against a, like a crocodile, I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, to note on Zack Snyder's filmmaking is that, like, he does have, like, a, a credible visual aesthetic in the way that the Marvel movies don't, in that, like, he really does care about each shot, and he does like to, he likes to compose sort of memorable, cool comic book images. And to that end, he owes a huge debt of gratitude, if not, like, outright theft, from Frank Miller, both in the visual sense of these movies and its, like, content. Like, he, like, these are... All of his like DC movies like borrow incredibly heavily from the Frank Miller Batman and Superman stories, and the thing is like he replicates perfectly Frank Miller's sort of his writing and his attitude toward this material, which is I would describe as sort of authentically sincere bombast and cynicism. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's this over the top like like pissed guy that has this sardonic edge, but it is. It, it maintains this kind of cornball sentimentality as well. Like that's kind of how I describe Frank Miller's work. And a lot of the actual shots themselves are basically him just recreating Frank Miller's drawn compositions and like these very heavy use of like light and shadow. And that's the other thing with this movie is like a lot of these scenes in this movie we saw already in the Josh Whedon uh, Justice League, but they look like shit. And basically all Zack Snyder had to do to make this look visually just a, like credible at all is just turn the lights down like that. That's how he made like a lot of this, like the action and like the visual um, language of this movie uh, appear credible is just by turning down, turning up the contrast and turning down the light for all the CGI heavy, like bombast and theatrics. It kind it does kind of work. It, it, it slides over your brain easier when it's just a little bit dim. Yeah, the overcast feel. That that does make me realize that that's really what his Watchmen adaptation felt like. It was like if Frank Miller had done Watchmen and yes, not Alan yes. Moore. Yes, that's a, that's a very good point. Back to the movie itself. So uh, uh, Batman strikes out in his efforts to recruit um, Aquaman, who's just... Because it's got to be a call to adventure and then uh, renunciation because yeah. it's a hero's journey. Can't just say... Sh- he can't just say sure. So then we, get to, then we go to uh, uh, Lois Lane. And uh, she's in this movie for about two minutes. And most of the time she's bringing coffee to other people. And she's like sad about Superman being dead. Um, But she deals with her grief by bringing a latte to the police every single day. (laughs) Yes. But it's like that's that's no replacement. You know, she represents Zack Snyder more than any other character. Yeah. Because like if Superman was real and died, Zack Snyder would like, yeah, this is how he would behave. Yeah. I saw him. Uh, daily ritual of thanks and remembrance. Is Zack Snyder's Catholic? Correct. I feel like that's a his big parents meeting. are Christian Scientists, so he's off oh. the board completely. <laughs> <laughs> that's shocking. I, he's not Catholic. That's shocking because this is like one of the most Catholic movies I've ever seen. Because if Superman was real and died, it would be like the best day of Zack Snyder's life, kind of. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, it's almost like Amy Adams is like too sexual as a woman to be in this movie. Yeah. It's like get her yeah. out of here. Yeah. Show me show me show me these Marvel these these men who are marvels of science. Get out of here, you stupid woman. Yeah, not too interested in the in the broads uh, yet. <coughs> speaking of women, uh then we gotta check in on uh Wonder Woman, who uh we we saw this scene pretty much exactly in the Josh Whedon version where it's a group of a right wing neo reactionary terrorists attempt to do a suicide bombing and blow up all these children and uh you know she she stops them. And this was like one of the stupider parts of this movie because like wonder woman's ability to like block bullets with her wrists is just looks so fucking stupid and there's a scene where like the bad guy just clicks a fucking mag on full auto and just sprays it into the face of like a school bus full of kids and she blocks every bullet with her wrists and it just occurred to me like i know this is like stupid nerd stuff but like if she's fast enough to block perfectly every bullet fired on full auto from a fucking machine gun wouldn't she just be fast enough to disarm him before he even pulled the trigger? Like it seems a You'd little think. pointless. Yeah, like and it, then she and then the she, distance like, she, wasn't that long. She yeah, she, she stops she stops this guy from blowing up a bomb and killing all these innocent people, but she stops him by doing a power blast that blows out like several tons of mason work and glass from this blank bank building onto a street. So I like I like that. That was just like oh, I'm going to stop innocent people from dying, but I'm definitely going to do some property destruction. Uh, two things. Every time Wonder Woman uses her powers, it looks like she's playing Wii Bowling. Uh, uh, second, second thing, this scene is foreshadowed one of my, in one of my favorite moments in the movie. When we see Lois Lane doing her coffee thing and we see the Gotham news fly to the street, like the newspaper fly on the street trope. And the front page headline, A1, top of the page of, like, this world's New York Times is, the bank wants a new architect. <laughs> I told you, like, he's, he's obsessed with the Fountainhead. Story. He's obsessed with Ayn Rand. But it's like, that kind of took me out because it's like, okay, I get that's a Fountainhead, right? but that wouldn't be the front page story. It would not. Story. No. Like, you, you think, like, you think, you think like, aliens are real would get above the fold? <laughs> yeah, no. Talk about, we need to get Chomsky on this. Like, <laughs> That's some good set manufacturing right there. <laughs> so, uh, and then, like, of course, then there's the scene that I don't think was in the Joss Whedon cut, but it has been, like, you know, screen capped a lot on Twitter, where, like, after she says all these schoolgirls, uh, one of them is just, like, looks up at her with awe, and she's like, can I be like you one day? And I was watching it with Catherine, and she goes, yes, you can. I'm enlisting. <laughs> <laughs> um so there's a little bit of that um so basically uh and, and then we cut then we go to the 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 island of the amazons like the island where that where it is populated entirely by babes of the idf like they're all just calendar models from like the israeli air force and uh the box is glowing the but the but the box is throbbing on the wonder woman island and of course like you know, it's all it's all some fucking mystical bullshit. It's 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 a mother box. It's it's a Martha box. Actually, that's what they should have called it in this movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, the mother box um, is throbbing and it teleports in the, the parademons. They're, they're, they're like sort of like they're, they're the bug men, the alien bug men um, infest the all woman. Yeah, those are the those are the Marvel fans. And then and then the and then the evil and then the evil uncle Steppenwolf just like she like the box like they they take they take over the mother box and they allow this man into a woman only space and then what does he do um he starts doing violence yeah this is like so the scene where steppenwolf like 
um, the uh, sort of hoaxa bunker that every woman in the world lives in <laughs> when he sort of pushes it off a hill. This awful creature, the the staple uncle. He looks yeah, like he's uncle. made out of staples. Yeah, he uh, does. <laughs> th- yeah, this is like when you put all the portraits of your wife you on your desk, you face them down when you're Googling, uh, you know, Henry Cavill workout. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm not accusing Zack Snyder of so, at all. So Ste- Stephen Wolf comes in there. And you know what I gotta say? Like we when we first saw the Josh Whedon uh Justice League, I thought Stephen Wolf was probably the worst villain ever portrayed in a movie. But just by giving him new staple armor and like I think more credible voice acting and Kieran Hines, uh Stephen Wolf yeah. kinda nice with it. He was Yeah, was they kinda... covered him in more uh go- more like blades. He looks like he's covered in uh cheese shredders. I just, yeah. he, he just I was cre- I was created by the Schwick Corporation. <laughs> it just, he, he struck players. me as like a more um uh, a more challenging boss fight. You know, like this guy, this guy yeah. is like very powerful. He's it was, it was credible that like he would represent a threat to these godlike beings. And here, here's another credit to Zack Snyder for this point. Like he loves showing how the the warrior's pride of this the race of Amazon women, and like you know he's just like I will drink your fear. And then Connie Nielsen, God bless her, one of my favorite actresses. You may you might remember her from such films as The Devil's Advocate and one of my favorite films of all time, Demon Lover. I believe she plays Wonder Woman's mom. So she says, Amazons, show him your fear. And they all just chant, we have no fear. And they start shooting arrows and fighting him. But, you know, Zack Snyder doesn't shy away from the fact that, like, these, these warrior women, he shows them get washed. I mean, Steppenwolf yeah, just gets get out there. Out. I mean, he's punting bitches to the fucking like the one yard line. <laughs> yeah. He's just he's hammering these hoes. He's just he's bringing the hammer down on the just just kicking them through the uprights, and they're just flying like with a horse. There's one awesome scene where he just kicks a horse like fifty yards into the air. It's awesome. Um, but then, like, so like as we learn in the movie, these these Amazons have had about a thousand years to prepare for this thing of like when the, when yeah, the, bad, did a great the job. bad men try to take the box from them. And um, they they lose badly. They, they drop they, the, they drop they, the ball. They fumble the bag terribly. They fumble the box, and <laughs> their their box gets taken away from them. And Steppenwolf uses it to create his his dark zone on on planet Earth and like the I don't know the Chernobyl exclusion zone. It's a, for some weird reason it's explicitly shown to not be Chernobyl. It's like a Chernobyl stand-in. Is that shit copyrighted or something? Or I guess the idea is like this is an Earth that's exactly like Earth that we have, except there are superheroes. And it was a different uh, Soviet city that had a nuclear meltdown. Um, and then they, we get like, uh, this is just only the end of part one of this movie. That's the other thing. This movie is broken <laughs> up into seven chapters with each their own chapter head. And there's really yeah. no point for it at all because it just does flow perfectly throughout. It's not like one chapter takes place in a different timeline. But the, the only thing is like, this is just an acknowledgement that this is a streaming movie and it's giving you the viewer permission to just stop it and like eat lunch or like go Which outside. Which is the bullshit about this. This is not a Snyder Cut this is not the movie he would have made if they'd let him, if they had not been too shaken by the dark, grim truths he was revealing. That movie would not have been more than three hours, I guarantee you. This thing is so lugubrious because it's all the footage they could get. Because the, the movie already came out, for Christ's sake. You're trying to get him to fucking double dip. There has to be a value add, and it's just new shit. And since you're streaming it anyway, you're basically just making a fucking TV show. But then you're going to act like it's actually a movie. And I really, one of my biggest artistic peeves right now is the, conf- is the bringing together of film and television into one new shittier genre that's got <laughs> yeah. the worst of both and <laughs> yeah. none of the benefits. 
Um, I just have here, like in my notes, though, just at the end of part one, um, Connie Nielsen. This is like a, a great example of the kind of, like I said, not not soy banter, but like epic Lord of the Rings banter. So just at the end, after she's lost the box, they fumble the box. She just goes, "We have to light the ancient warning fire. The men of the world will have to take notice." And I was just like, Catherine was like, you know, men would rather ignore the ancient warning fire than go to therapy. You know, am I right? It's true. <laughs> yep. Facts. Um. So then, okay, get into to part two here. After a while, I stopped taking. Let's stop keeping track of uh, the parts. But uh, part two opens. And I'd like to make special recognition of this movie also gave me a newfound appreciation for Jeremy Irons' portrayal of Alfred, Batman's butler, as the sort of predatory gay Lou Perlsman style Alfred. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a verse Alfred. <laughs> so and then, it, it, OK, another, another, another thing, another big difference between this and the, the Josh Whedon version is that like this movie... Uh, it gives a huge backstory and plot to, to cyborg. And you remember like this became part of like a pseudo controversy of like Josh Whedon being canceled. Cause like Ray Fisher said, Oh, he was such an asshole on set. And like, you know, they, and you know, he was kind of right to be pissed because like it did cut out entirely like the heart of his character. But the one thing I'll say about like to Zack Snyder's credit and what I liked about the inclusion of this like Frankenstein narrative is it gives you tons of wonderful character actor, Joe Morton, who you might remember as playing Miles Dyson from Terminator 2. And he's playing very much the same character in this movie as a kind of a, a scientist um, uh, toying with dark cosmic forces that is inadvertently bringing about the apocalypse. But always, always a joy to see Joe Morton in a movie. Brother from another planet. Great guy. And uh, there's a lot yeah, there no. with him. Um, uh, the Amazons, uh, they fire the Ardo arrow of Artemis to warn uh, Wonder Woman. And then Wonder Woman finds the arrow in some temple, and then she goes into the temple and finds this sort of like fresco relief depicting this grand battle that took place thousands of years ago between all the heroes of Earth and Darkseid, Dark rather, who's like this big, you know, he's the nephew. He's the, he's, he's the final boss of this movie. And I don't know if you guys remember the, the, the scene where like they portray the, the, the epic clash between like the Amazons, the Atlanteans, and then like the old gods of uh, Olympus fighting. Uh, dark side for the fate of humanity and, and planet earth in that scene fighting alongside zeus and Ares is um, a version of the green lantern who's some kind of like flying pig man and what yeah, i love about like this scene chimp or something what i love about this scene though is that this is like making manifest and literal the uh uh the, th the thing i've complained about in the past where fans of these movies say you don't understand Comic books are modern mythology, and Zack Snyder's like, "Yep, they are." And guess what? Green Lantern he was he was friends with Zeus and Apollo, <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's just flying around with his green laser. He's shooting that shit, and then we get also. I have to say, I loved loved seeing just just a little bit, just a few seconds of CGI David Thewlis as Ares again. It's just it's just it, it, his weird sort of like weasel like British head on some gigantic <laughs> CGI bodies. <laughs> what? I would yeah. give anything to see David Thewlis in that costume, but just his actual body. <laughs> just like, like like fucking like a lion, like a lion pelt just hanging off of him like a fucking like a gravity blanket or something. And he's just lost inside of it. <laughs> he, he's shooting at Thanos with a fucking while wearing the outfit from naked. <laughs> Yeah, just a black trench coat. Yeah. Another great film. Please please watch Mike Lee's Naked un unlock the next chamber of movie mindset. Um okay, then we get we get to see uh, Aquaman again and then like to your point about like um uh, this is a very interesting like contrast between the two movies cuz like Aquaman saves some poor fisherman from drowning. 
drags him into a bar and is like, give me, give me a shot on him. And then he walks out to like the Stormbreakers. And in the Joss Whedon version, it was like some like epic butt rock playing as he just sort of like smashes the whiskey bottle and just walks into this like huge crashing waves. But in the Zack Snyder version, it's this very like plaintive Nick Cave song. It's this very like <laughs> something like uh, was it? Uh, I believe there is a kingdom. I forget the name of the song, but it's this very yeah like very mournful, melancholy Nick Cave instead of like Van Halen, which was in the Josh yeah. Whedon I believe version. in the in this in the Wheaton version, I believe it was Icky Thump. By yeah, White yeah, Stripes. it was White Stripes. And yeah. I remember when I watched it, I just started laughing at that point because it really was Wheaton showing what he really felt about this material that like this is this is all faintly ridiculous and he knows that and that's what marvel fans expect is that kind of that layer of detachment uh and then you see this snyder verse it's like yeah no this is not then that's not your kitty bullshit this is serious business he's the fucking aquaman he is the god of the oceans (laughs) yeah and like i it's like i kind of prefer that a lot because it's like well, you like if you think it's stupid, then like why am I supposed to watch it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like you think it's stupid, but also that it should be the only culture. Hmm. Like at least Zack Snyder has some psychosexual reason for doing this. Yes. Uh, and then we get um, Aquaman goes to the bottom of the ocean and then meets up with <laughs> Willem Dafoe. I mean, come on, any any movie that's got just a little a little bit of Dafoe in it. Is is it, that's that, that's one check in the positive column here, and we of course remember him looking more out of place than he ever has in a movie in the uh, uh, Jason Mimosa Aquaman movie. But I just have here another brilliant piece of dialogue that I had to write down. Um, <laughs> he, he says to Aquaman, like sort of about how um, he needs to he needs to you know like stop hiding from the world and uh, be a hero. And he says, "You take up your mother's trident." And but before that, he says to him. The snatchers are coming from the dark place. <laughs> the, the, the dark snatchers are snatching the mother box. They're box snatchers, folks. There's a lot of, I don't know, how shall I put this? I don't want to say vaginal imagery in this movie, but there is a lot of um, uh, vaginal themes in this movie. And I don't know how entirely intentional they are, but they are there nonetheless. I mean, we all remember the, the Martha Martha moment from Batman versus Superman. Yes, of course. It's just it, mom, mommy. It's right there. Mommy in the dark place we all came from is just sort of behind every frame of this movie is I don't know if yeah. it's a fear of that, but it is uh it's it's something with that. There's something there. It's um if anything, this movie is an impassioned plea to the world scientists to invent a way where men can breastfeed their sons. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Steppenwolf was cast out of the dark place because he wouldn't breastfeed Dark Side Phil anymore. <laughs> Dark Side Phil. <laughs> Dark Side Phil is the bad guy of this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can never get OBS to work. It's causing uh, galactic pain. So you're right. Okay, there we go. That's uh, another box checked off. We've cracked the code of this movie. It is about a vision of the world in which godlike men can breastfeed each other. And, and then sort of yes. like, because so when you were a god, you were still born of a woman. And Zack Snyder's like, mm, we got to get rid of that. that. That's a weak link yeah, here. Yeah, no good. No one likes <laughs> that. We just got to be. We got to be born of each other. It's like Sparta. You know, it's like it's like men, um, fucking and giving birth to each other. It's like a parthenogenesis and and the rearing, the next generation of godlike beefcakes. 
in terms of Henry Cavill and Jason Mimosa. Felix, I did like what you said about this movie, that if you made it through four hours of this movie, it should tell you what steroid stack they're doing to look that good. Because, like, Henry Cavill is, like, so fucking jacked in this movie. He is so large. But it's, like, it's, like, tasteful. It's not, like, um, I thought the steroid stacks that Chris Evans did were tasteless. They were Rob (laughs) Liefeld. But Henry Cavill is, like, it's, like, perfect. And I I gotta believe that Snyder designed it himself, because Snyder's in very good shape. Oh yeah, no, he's 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 ripped. I gotta say though, Superman shouldn't. He doesn't have to be ripped. <laughs> it doesn't he, matter, he has right? The yellow yeah, sun, the yellow of sun does all he the work. Need to yeah. have muscles. Okay, yeah, yeah. Tell that to Zack Snyder. <laughs> so far, he would. It would be like when Uncle Phil throws uh, <laughs> the jazz, Jeff jazzy out of the Jeff house. out of the yeah. house. <laughs> 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 Superman doesn't need to rip. <laughs> um, no, it looks great. I talked to uh, my steroid expert, Stu, Hungry Stu, and uh, he said very smartly, it's probably a gram a week. And it's like, that's the perfect amount. And by the way, steroids, that's not me criticizing people. You still have to work hard when you do steroids. But I just want to know the science. I'm probably going to start doing them in five years. <laughs> and by five years, I mean today. <laughs> so, okay, then we get into uh, part three. And we begin to get introduced to uh, Ezra Miller's The Flash, which is, you know, unquestionably the weakest link of this movie. And, you know, every line that comes out of his mouth is just, ooh, painful. And uh, he is introduced. He the vote face character. Yeah, he is. He, you know, Flash is, is a vote face guy. He's, he's, yeah. he, he's like when Batman's like, you want to join the Justice League? And he's like, erm, not a good look. And I got also like Affleck's bringing some Clint Eastwood energy to this role, which I kind of appreciated too. He's he's coming like a like an Unforgiven style Batman. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know, like the Flash for all his godlike powers, um, still behaves like an absolute bitch. And he's introduced by like in a scene where he like he, like he prevents his crush from being smashed by a truck in a car accident, and like in a split second, he um, you know, he uses his Flash powers to be really fast. But okay. Another thing I have to mention about the overall like aesthetic choices of this movie is that one of the reasons it is four hours long is that I would say probably a third of it is in fully in slow motion. And it's not just the flash scenes, which makes a sort of it has a sense of like, you know, in slow motion is the way you show to an audience, like the way his powers work. Most of like like a good chunk of this movie is in slow motion. And I just want to point out this scene in particular because it's like showing in, you know, kind of bullet time like a, a car accident happening and there's like a, a hot dog cart that's been overturned by a, a out of control truck. And then he, he composes this image where like in, in, in beautiful crisp CGI slow motion, the flash stops about 10 hot dogs from hitting this girl's face. And it's like that meme where like the, you know, the woman gets hit with all the hot dogs. It's like he, he did a good job recreating that meme to show Flash's power to prevent a woman from being slapped in the face with multiple hot dogs. I mean, look, you make that what you will. Okay. I'm just saying, like, like, a, like a, a real director, his the visual choices they make will lead to questions in your own mind, and to that yeah. to that end, I, I applaud Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder is first a real ass dude. Real ass dude of the question. week for sure. The realest ass dude in Hollywood, like him. It's between him and Kurt Sutter, and I think Snyder, by virtue of willing this fucking whatever this thing is into existence, he's the real ass dude of Hollywood, no doubt. Uh, and he's a real ass director. Like, this is his. This is his. The Russo brothers are holograms. Yes. They're not real people. They're fucking made-up-ass people. This is a real dude. Um, so, yeah, then we get the scene where uh, Cyborg um, begins to you know, sort of flex his cybernetic powers. And as Matt alluded to, the scene where he uh, hacks, hacks into the Internet and defeats Wall Street. 
And like I said, by giving that woman $100,000, that's like the one act of like actual heroism that takes place in this movie. In the entire movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah and it was because she got up at 9 a.m. every morning and had a job. <laughs> that's who Cyborg Man's character was based off of, a certain doctor that we know of. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so then Batman goes to recruit the Flash. Wonder Woman goes to recruit Cyborg. We get um we get J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon rocking hair, which is an odd Looks look great. for J.K. Simmons, but you know always a joy to see him in a movie. Um, we get Amber Heard comes back again as like the princess of Atlantis doing a British accent in this movie, which is odd. Which she did not have in Aquaman. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't think in the Whedon cut of this either. She just went for it. Like I'm British. She's British now. Good for her and everything she has done. <laughs> she says, gather the phalanx around the mother box. And it's just like, it just, that, that is 90% of the dialogue in this movie. Gather the phalanx around the mother box to protect it from the snatchers. This, our yes. scent of, the mother box scent is on us and the snatchers want to grab us. Okay, maybe that's it. That there's two types of vaginas. One's a box. It's just a tool that the real creator of life, the penis, goes into to create life. Then there's a snatch. And a snatch is a non-child-producing pussy. And this sucks energy out of men. <laughs> and this is, not, this is not what I think. This is the ideology of the movie. Don't get mad at me. But this is the ideology. This is what the movie thinks. Um, uh, there's a scene where they fight Steppenwolf for the first time. And... Another thing I like about I sort of like about this movie is that like uh, one of the jokes people made about the Avengers and like the big fight scenes or whatever is like, what the fuck is Hawkeye have to do? Like this dude is just has a bow and arrow, and like everyone else is literally a god. And in this movie, I think there's some funny things with like Batman, Bruce Wayne. He sort of acknowledges like, all right, I'm just gonna I'm gonna hang back in the plane here. I don't really have much to do because I'm just yeah. I'm just a guy. And in the first scene, like the scene where they fight Steppenwolf, like Batman just disappears. And then he comes back with some sort of giant spider mech with Gatling guns all over it. And he's like, yeah, that's what I'm bringing to the table here. I just have this fucking like tank that crawls. <laughs> okay, then we get into this idea. I mean, again, like there's, there is so much tedious, dumb shit in this movie. Um, chief among them is an idea that is introduced that then goes nowhere. They're like, oh, uh, 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 Dark Side Phil, um, he wants planet Earth because the anti-life equation is in the planet. And I was like, what? Oh, yeah. what? what the fuck does that mean? Like, and he, he, originally I thought he wanted Earth because that's where the mother boxes are. But then you'll remember back to the flashback where like um, CGI David Thewlis um, defeats him in combat to save Earth. And they're like, out of the thousands of galaxies conquered by Darkseid Phil, there was one planet that resisted him and stood up. And then the big part of the plot is that, that Darkseid Phil just forgot what planet that is or where it is. And it's yeah, like, you think that weird. would stick in his mind. And then he's like, what? One place he got washed in his entire career. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, Steppenwolf Edward discovers... Edward the mother boxes. Yeah. Steppenwolf discovers that, like, oh, this planet isn't just the mother box planet. It's the anti-life planet. And he's like, my lord, the anti-life equation is here. And Darkseid is just like, anti-life is life. I must, <laughs> I must have the anti-life. But I was like, there was this idea that like the anti-life equation is like carved into the surface of the planet or something. And I was just like, okay, all right. It's just, what do you do with the anti-life equation? Like when you, once you have it, you create you, you anti-life. But I mean, I'm sorry, no, like this, it, this is the same uh, plot as the Avengers. The anti-life equation is, it's not like the, the gauntlet where he wants to kill half of the people. Uh, it's, it's actually a pretty funny uh, 
uh, in the comics, uh, and it's not explained in this movie. I'm interested if how he would explain it if he had gotten to make his sequel. Although maybe they won't let him drink it now after he dropped all those fucking references. Uh, it's basically that the anti-life equation is a scientific proof that proves conclusively that there is no such thing as free will and that therefore life is meaningless. Uh, correct. If you encounter the anti-life equation, it drains you of your will to live. Sort of so similar to this movie. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what the anti-life equation does. So if people get the anti-life equation, they just become tools of dark side. They become because bug now men. They don't believe that they have any kind. They become bug men because they don't believe that they have free will. It really is Nietzschean. It's like this is what makes last men. This is what makes like the deracinated husks at the end of capitalism is the is losing any sense of free will. Uh, he says, "I will bask in the glory of anti-life." There we go. Um, so, I mean, like, so the heroes, they, they, they finally come together and they're like, okay, um, uh, Dark Side is coming. Um, we got to stop Steppenwolf from creating the unity, which is what happens when you get three boxes in the same room and become one box. Um, so, what, what's their plan? Well, we got to resurrect our friend uh, Superman because, you know, he's, he's the nicest of all of us. You know, like, I mean, like, they're, they're, they're on their own or even together, they're pretty powerful. But I mean, they're just like you know pissing in the wind compared to Kal El. You know, I mean, he's he's the real he's the real god of planet Earth. So there's some convoluted. They use one of the mother boxes to resurrect Superman. Um, like Flash has to create some big electrical charge, and the mother box resurrects Clark Kent. They fight him at first, but then he but then he remembers Lois Lane, and he's like, oh. There's my there's my Martha box, Lois Lane. Okay, I'm back to reality. <laughs> I'm back to being alive. I'm a good guy. Now. Uh, one thing I do like uh, about Snyder's treatment of this material, and it's alluded to in Batman versus Superman as well, and hinted at in the sort of cryptic ending of this movie. The real villain of this movie is then the real final final boss. It's not Steppenwolf. It's not Darkseid. It's actually Superman. And I thought this is an interesting idea with the material because, like, here is this guy who could exterminate all life on the planet as easily as he, like, farts, essentially. Like, he, he is God incarnate. And absent his one connection to humanity, Lois Lane, what would he turn out into being? And these sort of cryptic visions of the future that you get imply and show that Superman is like a global genocidal dictator in the future. And he has killed everyone and everything who opposes him and Darkseid. So like his the one tenuous fucking thread connecting him to humanity, which is his like his Midwestern values and this uh, lady that he's in love with. If you take that away from him, then he will correctly, I think, in Zack Snyder's view, begin to view every other human being around him as an ant, basically. Yeah. And I think Zack Snyder likes that about Superman. I think I think he yes, that's like, like that. He has a contempt. He does not understand at a basic level Superman's attitude towards humanity. Because he he because if you have power in this in Snyder's world, that essentially validates your uh, the insignificance of other people. Why would you care what they had to say? Just to consider for yourself what you need to do. So yeah, like the the super friends, uh, they go and they steal Superman's body, like it's Graham Parsons or something, and then they give him some box to bring him back to life. Uh, just a lot of talk about the box. What's in the box? We all need. We all need some box. Superman more than anyone, because if he doesn't get the box, he's going to kill us all. He's going to kill every human being on the planet unless we get him some box. So they uh, they bring him back to life. Oh, there's another really great line here where uh, 
Alfred says to Batman, Master Bruce, you don't wave a red flag at a bull. And then Ben Affleck Batman says, this red cape charges back. I was like, <laughs> cool. that is just like, it's, it's epic guy style writing, you know? And it's just, it's not my favorite flavor, but it's a different flavor. It's, it's a slightly different flavor than what we're used to. Mm-hmm. Um, fuck, man. I'm like, I, I, like, this is, this is about the point in the movie where I stopped taking notes because my brain. Yeah, it's down. very, like, if you I watch the thing it, in yeah. one go, it's because it's at the same register, it's very hard to start to really keep, keep things uh, straight if you keep watching. It just gets more and more blurry with time. I know that I, by the, the second half, I was just sort of like, what? Where? <laughs> where, where? Yeah. Who? I, yeah, Even though I I'd been watching it and I wasn't like on my phone that much, I was just couldn't keep track. I will say there, this movie did, did not produce a lot of zone-out trademark Lex J. So it's like that, that is to its credit. I did not enter the zone out zone all that yeah. often in this movie. I just, I couldn't keep track of the plot at any kind. I, well, I, I mean, it was just a bunch of slow motion scenes of, of beings fighting one another. I mean, like, you know, I mean, suffice to say, it all leads to a big, like, epic confrontation between Steppenwolf and his army and all of the heroes, plus Superman who come together in, like, a big, a big cool battle at the end of the movie where they invade Chernobyl and they, they separate the mother boxes. So yeah, they split up those mother boxes. Yeah, they, they stop. They defeat Steppenwolf. There's a, there's a big, long action sequence at the end of the movie, and I thought there was some pretty cool stuff in there. I mean, that's the other thing with Snyder that's, like, to his credit as a director, that's a, a rare talent to have, even among A-list directors in Hollywood. Like, Christopher Nolan certainly doesn't have it. And by that, I mean the ability to shoot a coherent action sequence where, like, I understand... Yes. Like the, the visual information that's being conveyed to me in like the way the shots are composed and the edits and like how it's you know flows together, I understand like the action that's taking place. Like I like I see what's happening and my mind can process it as part of like a you know, like a the rhythm of, of a scene. And you know, like I said, like Nolan, for whatever reason, could not shoot like a boxing match to save his life. It would just become no. totally incomprehensible. Yeah, he's gonna tell a visual story. There was something where Joe Morton uh, sacrifices himself. He kills himself, sort of like in T two. Uh, you know, yeah, he loves doing that. It's his favorite thing. Um, what, I mean, what did you guys make of actually? I mean, like, let's talk about this. What did you guys make of Ray Fisher and Cyborg? Because, like, I mean, uh, to a certain extent, like, it, this is kind of his movie. Like, he becomes pretty kind of like the main character of the Justice League for like the second half of this movie, and he gets a lot more pathos and like a character than was appeared in the the Josh Whedon well, film. And I thought Ray Fisher was uh, pretty good, but I thought the I thought the whole cyborg character was like I said a little bit. He was you're right. He, he was, was the, the he just was too sulky. It's like God damn, you're a robot god. Fucking like, give me a smile for a second. Just have smile, some sort sweetie. of so, so yeah, yeah. You look prettier if you smile, cyborg. Just it's so one note. You like there's no like oh I guess I have the power uh, over literally everything in the universe, huh? Well. I still people look at me weird because I have a robot eye. It's like I'm sorry, that's not that big a price to pay. Um, I don't know. I think there's a way that could have been done that's interesting. You know, the alienating effect of becoming a god, I think, is pretty interesting. It's something that's explored in Watchmen. I don't really think that's Snyder's strong suit because I don't think he personally would see any downsides in this. He would yeah. do this in a second. I will say the character itself, the concept of the character and the execution, idiotic, but no more so than any other of these characters. Yeah. 
uh, in any superhero movie. I just thought, you know, Ray Fisher is it a guy sucks. who, you know, I, no one had ever heard of before the, the first Justice League. You know, I mean, like, he hasn't gotten a lot of work since then, and this was going to be his big break. And, you know, apparently Joss Whedon in the studio really fucked him over. And I, I will say, I just, I, I, as the guy who is, you know, like, the, the mostly the unknown name in this, like, massive assemblage of talent, I thought he acquitted himself quite well. No, yeah, he played he played the character well. Um, who know like who knows why Joss Whedon, you know, was mean to him? Uh, did was there a red haired silence science lass on set who they were both vying for the attention of? The world will never know. I mean, I mean you do kind of see why he was pissed because yeah, he got completely cut out of that movie. Like they basically yeah. decided to excise his plot. And I thought, you know, like I said, and, he's the, and then and he's adding, the only one who gets an arc and adding Joe Morton to it gives it like a sort of there's a father and son relationship. Like I said, it is this like Frankenstein and his monster kind of thing that, you know, added, like I said, add some pathos and humanity to it. Um, and yeah, he gets way more of a backstory than anyone else does because they have to kind of establish his character in this movie. Um, overall, like to rate the team, I got to say, I've come around on Bat- Ben Affleck as Batman. I thought he was like good. I thought I thought like it, it, it worked for me for the most part. Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, I got to say, Snyder has unlocked like how exactly to use her in a movie, which is film her, but don't let her speak. That was still too much because she still she has the same facial expression. It, no matter what she's doing, a wild confusion. <laughs> yeah, she, she, she always look looks very... like she's not. She's like she walked into a classroom and she's not exactly sure if it's the one she's supposed to she be. Has in. This, yeah, she has every the same nobody, expression. She's fighting a, a gorgon or she's running super fast or whatever she's doing. She just looks like she's like, am I, is this, do we say five o'clock? I don't, she has the same expression as I do when I like misplace my jewel and I'm like putting my pockets and, you know, spectacles, testicles, wallet, watch, that kind of thing. That's Israelis every time they're in a new place. They're like, oh, is this part of greater Israel or not? Uh, do we colonize this? But, um, so I think Ben Affleck, I started to appreciate him more as Batman now knowing that he's a sad, bitter alcoholic yeah. who's lonely all the time, which is not a criticism of Ben Affleck. That's no, of course. That's a good thing to be. It makes him interesting as an actor, certainly. Yeah. You know, and I that's, just... That was, that's the key to Batman because we saw the previous generation's Batman, Christian Bale. You know, it, it's like Batman's a guy who gets pissed. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. But what if Batman like had just totally given up on the idea of having sex. <laughs> yeah. Cooler. <laughs> I will say this about uh, Ben Affleck. I mean, it was like, it was like this week someone shared uh, a story from the set of gone girl that made me actually really appreciate Ben Affleck a lot more. And I say this as a, I say this as a New York city Yankees number one guy, but you know, uh, apparently that production on that movie set shut down for four days because of one scene in which he was required to wear a Yankees hat to sort of disguise his identity. And Affleck was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Talk to my agent. And they shut down production on that film for four days until they came up with the compromise of having him wear a Mets hat. And he's like, you know, Affleck is, uh, you know, maybe like unfairly tarred as being kind of a, you know, a lout or a bro or a jerk or something. And I got a rake. Yeah. He's, you know, he's standing up for Boston excellence and he's standing up to another tyrannical asshole in David Fincher. So honestly, my, sort of MLB like Rob Lowe style I just like baseball hat I'm doffing it hats off to Boston guy Ben Affleck for standing up to tyrannical He's megalomaniacal directors to the bit of being a Boston douche which is more than you can say for most people who once they get a certain level of success they sort of jettison all that stuff as unnecessary yeah that's why Rob Lowe wore the NFL hat because it's like everyone's making fun of him they're like oh he's a fan oh you're a fan of NFL the institution and it's like yeah yeah he is 
The yeah, shield. And, he loves it. Yeah, he wants to respect yeah, the shield. Him and him and uh, Roger Goodell uh, probably laugh together about how how much Goodell ruined Tom Brady's life or tried to. Tom Brady, the real life equivalent of Superman in Zack Snyder. That's another message of the movie. Also, one hundred percent true. Yeah, and then uh, rounding out the Justice League, you know, Henry Cavill. Um, we're all, we're all. I mean, let's be honest. We're all sprung for him. Oh, Dick, Dick's on hard for yeah. Henry Cavill. Um, you know, he's like he's he's supernaturally handsome. I mean, that that his bone structure is just like. Is he like a crisper? He's one of the crisper like you know success stories or something. He's a he's like yeah. one. He is the one attractive aristocratic British man. <laughs> <laughs> somehow and felix you will be delighted to hear that he is a committed pc gamer in one of those sort of yeah, like no. fan interviews they're like uh playstation or xbox and without missing a beat he goes pc desktop yeah yeah i saw a video of him putting together a pc and i gotta say i could felt the i could feel the uh sort of twinge of ovaries growing in my body <laughs> and finally to round it out uh jason mimosa you know, I mean, actually, I wasn't on the Aquaman episode with you guys, but um, I was surprised that I actually uh, enjoyed the Aquaman movie, and I thought he was quite good in it. Yeah. You know, Mimosa, he's he's credible. You know what I'm saying? He's got a, he's got a credible physicality to play these kind of roles, and he's he not, looks good. He's, he's not a, a dummy either. He's dumbass, got, which is what yeah, you want out of Aquaman. He's got a little bit of like a like a comic timing and a sense of humor, but like not in a, a like an annoying way. Like I, I you know, I, I thought Jason Momoa is uh, it was quite good. And and he's yeah, also, he, he, that was a good he's a hunk. I like he, he is I like a hunk him in that movie hunks. too. He is a, he is a, a, a absolute himbo, himbo excellence. Um, okay, so let's wait till Phyllis get back, and then we can discuss the epilogue of this movie. Oh yes, then we'll be then we'll be then we'll be done. I mean, I did. I was. I will not lie. I spent the entire th- movie as Milhouse. Like, where's, where's the, the Joker, Joker showing where's, up? So did Catherine. Where the fuck is the Joker? So did Catherine. This is she was three hours in. This she is had a, four hours in. Where's the Joker? She had a timer going on her phone, and she was just like, "Okay, at minute five hundred of this movie, we get one glimpse of the Joker." They really. Uh, they teased us. Apparently, they. There's another. Snyder, there's another Joker scene that didn't make it into the Snyder cut. Release that, that cut. Shot. No, okay, I'm harassing every media person on Twitter until yep. we get an additional two minutes of the Snyder cut, Justice League, yeah. with more Joker it, in it. It's clear that Zack Snyder was pressured by Warner Brothers and the suits there into removing a scene that was too twisted and dark for the general public. They, what? They, they're worried about liability issues. Oh, man. And we I mean, need to see that scene. So, okay. Like, hopefully, if this episode accomplishes anything, it's to, you know, instigate another fan uprising to release the, the final cut of Zack Snyder's Justice League, which contains two additional minutes of the Jared Leto Joker. Uh, yeah. But, like, so let's, let's talk about the epilogue of this movie. Because, like, after they defeat Steppenwolf and Earth is saved, um, the movie goes on for another 30 minutes or so to, like, and this, is, this was interesting to me because, like, the whole epilogue to this movie, uh, there's a lot of it that ties up some loose ends and it implies that like the Justice League is going to be a big thing going forward. And Bruce Wayne shows like the big sort of hall and Wayne Manor that is now going to be like the, the, the round table for these, these modern, this modern Camelot. Um, and there's going to be like more people in the movie. There's going to be more heroes. Uh, like I said, we saw, we saw a glimpse of the Green Lanterns. Um, and then also there's like this weird, the Martian Manhunter shows up, if you're a fan of the comics, uh, played by the guy who, he played a general in uh, Man vs. Yeah, he was Man, in Man of Steel, he was Harry Man Lennox. Of Steel. I was yeah, very he's, confused. Yeah, he's, he's sort of Obama-looking guy. Like, he's sort of an yeah, Obama I, guy. Was, does, this, does this mean that, that he was an alien the, the whole uh, time? Secretary he, of State or the yes. Secretary of Defense 
was a fucking uh, actually a Martian shapeshifter. Is I think that what it does. Saying? I think it does that's, imply that. Yeah, that's something. Or is so, it just yeah. a wild coincidence? So yeah, Mar- Martian Manhunter shows up and he's like, uh, hey, "Hey, Bruce Wayne, um, there's another alien here. I like what you do, and uh, sign me up." We got, we got Yo, I fuck with the vision, Bruce. <laughs> we got a lot of work to do. Dark, Dark side Phil's still out there. He's still bad at video games. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's mad about it. He's coming to Earth and he's yeah. Like, Fuck our shit up. Darkside Phil is out there. He jacked off in cam in front of the entire world. <laughs> Do you know that part of Darkside no, Phil more? Darkside Phil, not the guy from this movie, but the real guy. He like was about to do a stream once from his couch and he didn't know he was already live and he like just pounded out a quickie before the stream, <laughs> but he was live the entire time. <laughs> I mean, you don't see his dick, but you just see his face and it's like <laughs> he's that's, fucking that's professional. He's awesome. And I have to say, Darkseid Phil is like a Snyder character because like everyone made fun of him, but he just st- st- stuck around. And now like most of the people, like other streamers who made fun of him, have gotten me too'd. <laughs> and Darkseid Phil, not going to me too him. So like I said, I mean, the, 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 the real part of the epilogue that everyone's used for is the appearance of the Joker. And we get that in a, a dream sequence slash fast flash forward that depicts the Earth after dark side because you know it is implied at the very end like dark side's still out there he hasn't given up on the anti-life equation he's coming to earth but he can't teleport there through the box so like he's on his way that threat is still out there and we get this 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 nightmare dream that bruce wayne has of a, of a possible future in which um like you know like the heroes are, are part of sort of a a planetary resistance against this sort of genocidal uh, tyrant. And also uh, Superman is out there and they're like, you know, we can't, he's going to see us if we're in the daytime and like they're, they're getting ready to do some mission. And then we hear like, you know, Jared Leto's Joker, like tittering away to himself. And it's just like, Oh, big reveal. Jared Leto Joker. What, what did you guys make of, of this iteration of the Joker? He lost all his face tattoos. That's the most important thing. This future, he has had all of the laser surgery to remove all of his face tattoos just because everyone laughed at that in Suicide Squad. Well, no, that's actually because Darkseid reinstituted tattoo discrimination in the workplace. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a big thing. About that's the worst part about him it. and humanity is about. Yeah. Well, all, you see how fucked up the world is. That's what happens when we discriminate against tattoos right. in the workplace. It's, um, true. it's definitely a more serious portrayal than Suicide Squad. Um, and. I think it like was probably done to make Jared Leto happy, if I had to guess. Yeah, like oh, look, the little guy, poor dude. Let's God, like, he yeah, just like, got so sad. They they cut out like twenty minutes out of Suicide Squad he was in, and he thought he was going to get an Oscar again. And they're like, let let them, let him come back, little guy. Yeah, it's no, like, like a Make a Wish project. I will say, Jared Leto, keep thinking he'll get me too, but. He is he like the Jeffrey Epstein of Hollywood? Like he just he just have shit on everyone. He has a fucking like half ironic cult. He's yeah, clearly wired in significantly somewhere. Apparently, it was yeah. like three months into COVID, he was at like some cult retreat that he had you know was the leader of without access to like Wi Fi or phones. You know, I mean, those are confiscated from all the people who go into the compound. That's obviously a good it's a sign. good move. Uh, yeah, I and mean, like and he emerged from this and was like, hey, hey guys, what's going on? <laughs> hey guys. Uh, and, it, and that proves COVID's fake. Yeah, but yeah, we get we, we get we get some we get some classic Joker and Batman uh, dialogue, and where this is like you know, Dark Batman says to the Joker, he's like, "If you mention Robin one more time, I'll fucking kill you." Like like I said, this like Clint <laughs> yeah. Eastwood, he's like, "Shut your mouth, pussy." If you mention my boy 
one more time. You mentioned <laughs> the adopted son that you killed. I'll fucking kill you. Yeah, and uh, no, that's when he says my favorite line in the movie. I've been in dead inside for a long time, but even I have a line. I've been dead inside a long time, but even I have a limit. And if you cross that line, I swear to God. Before what, Bruce? Kill me. And then doesn't doesn't do anything, and, which is perfect. That's the exact type of guy this movie's and, named uh, for. That the line... guy who's like, who's like, don't, ooh, if you come after my friends or family and then does nothing. Yeah. And uh, that line that Batman is referring to that even the Joker cannot cross for risk of, you know, encountering an even darker, more twisted psychopath in, in Batman is uh, bringing up the fact that um, the teenage runaway that Bruce Wayne adopted, um, <laughs> let's just say, did not come to a nice end. Yeah, um, that's interesting that he had a boy slave like another <laughs> Snyder Snyderverse characters. The, the Spartans have. Yep. <laughs> yes. That was like 2006. They weren't ready for Snyder's full vision and i'm sure in his like if we ever get a snyder cut of 300 that would be awesome because there probably is a thing about how it's like actually boys like being boy slaves yeah it's fun for them yeah it teaches, it teaches them life skills yeah it also i mean i love in that movie when they're like uh the athenian democrats they're in the movie and he's like oh it's probably fine for you boy lovers in athens and it's like that's dude that's you <laughs> <laughs> but that you know in retrospect the studio probably added that in because snyder's like i don't think he has one but he's pro like the concept of having a 16 year old rent boy it's well, a it's a uh, mentor mentee relationship yes well there we go i mean i just have one last little little Zack snyder easter egg here at the end of this movie and i was wondering if you guys noticed it when it is finally blissfully over and the credits are rolling did you guys notice this, the instrumental version of this popular song was the end credit music? Did you guys notice that? If you didn't, the answer is Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, which is Snyder 1000% <laughs> winking at his fans and critics in acknowledgement of the fact that everybody roasted the shit out of him for the sex scene in Watchmen set yep. to Hallelujah. And he's just like, nope, not going to buckle. Not n never gonna kneel, never unbowed, unbent, unbowed. unbroken. That is Zack Snyder yeah. to a T. And that I gotta say, Snyder I respect, going, I respect him for it. I really do. Yeah, that was Zack Snyder going. Guess what? I do like watching men. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Zack Snyder's Justice League, the unkindest cut. And now you guys are all are. I'm assuming you're all gonna watch the black and white version. Justice is gray. That's being released this evening, I believe. I mean, I think it'll look even better in black and white. Yeah. yeah. It's it's actually not really a Snyder cut until it's in black and white. Like I said, I do. Yeah. I hope he like keeps making movies. Like, I hope they just keep letting him go further and further. See, this is the thing is that the, the end of this movie involves such a teasing <sighs> of this movie that for years has claimed they claimed was dead that that's got to either be him just trolling or making a bid that, hey, you know, if this gets enough attention, people are going to be like, yeah, let's do that. And that's going to be more interest that like like there's going to be more uh, of these dog shit DC movies one way or another. They're making another Aquaman. They're trying, They're making a Flash movie like this thing is going on. What else is Zack Snyder making? And more importantly, what other vision for the future of the DC movies is got a bigger built in audience than Snyder? Like, oh, yeah, they actually want to see his shit out there and there's going to be a demand. 
Uh, and also you got the fact that these people can never be happy because these movies can never give them what they want because they, what they want can't be found in this kind of garbage. And then they blame the world. And more importantly, they blame the fact that they didn't get exactly what they wanted. So that means they need, we need an, they're going to want an air cut of a suicide squad with more Joker. And they're going to want uh, another justice league or whatever the fuck they call it, where there's anti-life and Superman is killing the entire world. Yeah. So we know how a Marvel fans created, right? Like you have, if you, if you had, you know, your, your dad did some evil job, you know, your dad was like, he, he like worked in Iran Contra or something. And you like, your parents always said yes to you. Uh, and at age 11, you got diagnosed with ADHD and you like, that's a disability. And now, you know, you work for a mental health startup or something and you just, you kind of want to live in a blanket fort. <laughs> do you know it's the opposite with a dc fan dc fans have a very interesting setup and psychology and view of the world where i think it's like if you tell your kid they were a mistake when they're like five they become a dc fan <laughs> yeah it's like because like they have to make like Zack snyder their dad it's like it's very psychological oh yeah there's a deep identification with him as a person and I'll yeah, just like, say, that's, it's, it's a franchise for abandoned children. And, you know, I, like to take it back to the beginning here, like, you know, my, my final thoughts on Justice League is that against all better judgment, I did find myself not hating this movie. And the other thing is like, you know, back to the idea about like the, the Snyder Cut community. I do appreciate like a kind of a, a stupid but like semi-genuine moment of like populist uprising against sort of the media tastemakers and gatekeepers who tell you like, no, like, like this is good. This is what you should all want. And it's like, you know, like it's actually dangerous and fascistic to, to oink loud enough to get a movie that you wanted like a dumb baby. And I would just like to say like, this is an object <laughs> lesson here for every media institution and property other than Chapo trap house. If you oink loud enough, like you will get what you want. Yeah. So get oinking. If you're going to yeah. spend all day talking about this shit, do it for a reason. Do it with a fucking agenda in mind, not just like to comment behind the scenes. Become uh, the makers of reality, not the pathetic reality-based community exactly. who comments. It's like what yeah. Karl Rove said. You know, we, yeah. we, we act and we create reality, and then the, the tastemakers and the recappers, it's their duty to just simply record the new reality. And now they have a new reality that they have to deal with that, that is not, it, it tastes foul to them. They, they want to spit it out of their mouth, but because it's their job, they have to swallow it. They have to swallow it and shit it out onto a computer screen. And to, for that reason alone, I say cheers to Zack Snyder and the Snyder Cut community. Yeah, if you want a version of Beast Wars that's about how you should do semen retention, <laughs> you know, you got to make your voice heard. <laughs> Which will be Zack Snyder's next movie. Yes. So, like I said, I, I, I hope Zack Snyder continues, uh, continues making these, these deeply personal movies to him. <laughs> he sees to communicate some truth inside of him through... Grim truth. Yeah, exactly. I hope, he, I hope he is still able to communicate grim truths to a wide... We better... I, I want the truths. I can't handle the truths, Mr. Snyder. Give them to me. I think he's making another zombie movie right now. Uh, yeah, what with uh, Dave Batista. So there we go. Uh, we've got a Snyder zombie movie coming up. Uh, probably won't do that one. It's not 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 too many not too much juice to bring out of a zombie. Any more, if he gets any more capes, we're we're in. 
And, you know, like just a final thoughts. Um, watch Mike Lee's Naked and Olivier Assayas's Demon Lover to unlock two incredibly powerful chambers of movie mindset. So that was mm-hmm. Zack Snyder's Justice League, the Snyder Cut. The most epic movie ever made, and probably it's one of the true. most epic episodes of uh, the show. So thank you, I, thank, no question. Thanks once again. Thanks once again for this for all these wonderful heroes. <laughs> we love them, don't we, folks? <laughs> yeah, we love we love the our guys. heroes. Yeah, you know, you may think that someone who isn't a hero, like you know, a nurse or someone, is a hero. <laughs> They're not. You may think it's a police officer. You may think it's a troop. You may think it's even something as silly as a single parent. A real hero is someone who you try to pick them up, then they try to pick you up, their pants slide down, and then whatever happens, happens. That's a hero. None of that healthcare crap. Stop clapping. Start clapping for Tom of Finland drawings. (laughs) Okay, guys. Uh, Excelsior. Until next time. Excelsior. Excelsior. Separate.